When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 913, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Patrick and sitting in for my co-host Josh Flanagan is Dr. Ryan Haupt. Hello. Nothing in this podcast can be construed as medical advice. And well, welcome back to our Fanboy Pick of the Week episode. This is episode 913. And Ryan, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Happy Year holidays. to you as well. Yeah. We, we meant to get you on earlier, but the scheduling thing had to flip-flop and now here we are right at the beginning of February. So welcome back. Happy I'll to have it. you here. Every week, one of us reads all their comics, and we pick they pick their favorite book from the stack. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book, the rest of the books from the week, the patron pick, listener mail, and here are your spoiler warnings. This is your blanket spoiler warning for the episode. Uh, there'll be some, probably, so exercise some caution. This week, Ryan, you had to pick, and it was a fifth week, despite the fact that last week's fourth week felt like a fifth week. They were both very similar. I'm sorry. Does the audience know exactly what a fifth week means? Are there people out there that need the concept of a comic assume, book fifth week? <laughs> I assume. I don't know. Every, you know, many we can point them to? Well, I mean, comics are, were on a monthly schedule at one point, and there were four weeks in a month. And every once in a while, because of, I don't know, math, there's a fifth week. And usually that's when, like, the straggling books come out. Like, the books, you know, they there's just, like, it's usually a really small week. And a lot of annuals. Rent, a lot of annuals like. in the fifth week. Yeah. Um, it, it hasn't really changed that much, even now that comics are on like a double bi-weekly schedule. It's still the fifth week is usually pretty light and pretty, de- pretty dark, pretty um. I don't say bleak, but it could be rough. It could be rough. How did you have it? Yeah, and so I was, I wasn't encur- I wasn't super encouraged by my stack. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I there were a couple of books I was looking forward to, and the books I was looking forward to ended up being the ones that were in contention for. Pick of the week, and the pick this time went to Duke number two, part of the Energon uh, universe. Story by Joshua Williamson, art by Tom Riley, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Russ Wooten. Before we jump in, it, A, it's important to note that we are officially changing this to G.I. Joe of the week. But um, have we ever talked about 
your GI Joe or non GI Joe? Not really, Joe because I'm, I'm I'm a little I'm a little younger than, right. than you, slightly less, uh, just slightly younger. Right. So I think we what we have talked about before is the sort of temporal overlap where like where you and Josh seem to ha- straddle the GI Joe to Ninja Turtles. Right. Yes. Realm. I straddled the Ninja Turtles to Power Rangers realm. Correct. You're one standard deviation away from GI Joe. Yes. And um, so I did, did, watch, so did, I did you... watch the cartoon some growing up, but I never read any of the comics or anything like that growing up. And I wouldn't call myself, I would not call myself a GI Joe super fan or even so really would, a fan. But did you, so, but you've been reading the Energon books or at least yes. Transformers wise. Have you read the, did you read Cobra Commander? Did you read, I assume you read Duke number one. I did read Duke number one um, just because I was interested enough in the concept and the creative team. And I, you know, I thought we talked about that moment in the first Transformers book where the pilot gets slapped by, was it Starscream or one of the flying Decepticons. And I was so taken aback by that moment. And then when there was a little Easter egg that the guy who was his uh, riding with, with him was Duke, I was like, okay, I'm in. That sounds cool. And um, yeah, I read the first issue and I really liked, you know, sort of rogue soldier man on the run. Um, This is again, I'm not like, as familiar with Duke as a character, but this feels like a bit of a new interpretation of the GI Joe characters. And I just, I don't know this, this book, this issue in particular, Duke's on the run from the government. He goes to his buddy clutch. Who's supposed to be able to, you know, build him a car and get him out of a jam. And clutch has got like a sexy girl and he can't remember her name. And he get pulls the slugs out and then they get attacked. And there's like a great car chase sequence. And the Energon books, you know, both transformers and void rivals. And this one, the action choreography I feel like is so reinvigorated from what we normally get in comics. And I just find these panels propulsive in the what's happening and how exciting they are. And um, I just had a ton of fun reading this, even though I'm not as familiar with the characters and, and what they're building. Yeah, this, this book is terrific. I mean, this is, this was my pick of the week easily, even though there was some, there were some very good books this week, even on a light week, but Duke number one over the holiday break that we didn't get to talk about was amazing. This was really good. It's funny. It's called Duke. I mean, Duke's the main character, but as we're unfolding through into this issue, and it is a miniseries. These are just six issue minis. This is a GI. This is GI Joe. There isn't a Energon GI Joe book. GI Joe Real American Hero takes place in a different continuity. This is so. This this feels like the the GI Joe book that they could have just called GI Joe. As we we add, so in the first issue it was just Duke and Hawk. I believe it's been a while. And then the, this issue, we had Duke and Hawk, but then we added in Clutch. We added in Roadblock and Stalker, who are brought in by Hawk to subdue Duke, who is, as, as you said, ro- on the run and rogue. No one, no one believes him that a robot killed his, his, his buddy. They all, he's, he's sort of become a fringe lunatic. He goes to like a conspiracy theory it's like a, He's like a Fox Mulder type. Yeah, almost. in the last issue. Uh, no one believes that there's giant robots. And so he's on the run from the government i don't believe so f- oh i'm i could be wrong i could t- totally be wrong but i don't think gi joe is a thing yet in in this story so when he's captured he's taken to pit the pit which is as we all know G- is the gi joe base but is a decommissioned uh former base it has been decommissioned since the, since the 80s which is a nice little nice little yeah joke. i like that and that, that was also getting a cutaway when i got the cutaway of the base i was like oh that's a, that's a tick in the column that was of terrific winning. and then he gets thrown in prison in the in or the brig in the in the base by Stalker and Rock and Roll. They leave him behind, only to find that uh, in the cell across the way or next to him, I can't tell which, is uh, the Baroness. And uh, so I, but by, by the time I got to that page, I was like, awesome. Now 
It's important to note, I've never really liked Duke as a character. He's never been amongst my favorite G.I. Joes. I mean, he's a Joe, so I respect him, obviously. But <laughs> um, he's sort of the fuddy-duddy. In, in the previous incarnations, not this one, he's sort of the fuddy-duddy. He's the Cyclops of the team. The, Le- always, the Leonardo. Can we keep it in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> I always, realm for, for, my, for my hut's sake, please? Even as a kid, I always resented, resented the fact that on the cartoon, he took Snake Eyes' storylines. He took Snake Eyes' girlfriend. You know, they made they made Duke this this you know the blonde eye blonde haired blue eyed Duke the hero of the team in the cartoon. Where in the comics it was Snake Eyes, who's also blonde haired and blue eyed. But um, it it just uh, he just always he was just always kind of boring. You know, yes. he was the leader who always he was always reprimanding people for doing things. So I wasn't super psyched when they announced Duke as one of the books. But as you said, this is a this is sort of a rougher. Duke, he's like the super soldier of the army, right? He's like the best soldier. He can do it, do it all. But when he goes rogue and when he starts espousing that there's giant robots out to kill us, you know, he he gets he falls out of favor and it, subduing him is very difficult. I thought this was this was great, and it's this Duke is incredibly fun. Um, it's a little unclear why everyone has nicknames. So there's if there's no GI Joe, why is Clutch called Clutch even though he's got you know a name? Uh, why is ro- rock and roll called rock? Like. It doesn't really matter, but I always thought those were their G.I. Joe names, not just nicknames everyone has, but it also doesn't really matter, ultimately. And the Tom Riley art is really terrific. It's really, 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 really strong. Good. Yeah. I don't think I've seen Tom Riley before, but the Jordy, Jordy Belair's colors are great. They're nice and flat. They don't, they, they, there's a nice color palette where there's a, it's a lot, and this issue is based, Especially there's a lot of browns because they're in Clutch's junkyard and they're running around with army fatigues. But every once in a while, there's pops of color that really draw your eye to the action. Um, Tom Riley's terrific. It's it's kind of cartoony, kind of realistic. Mm-hmm. It sort of lives in that middle ground. I mean, it's it's becoming a cliche on the show, but these Energon books and the G.I. Joe book, which I'm, it's not part of Energon, but still I'm, I'm calling it part of the, the whole the same thing. Have really reignited um, my love of GI Joe, Josh's love of GI Joe. These are my favorite books. It, it reminds probably. me a lot of. It, uh, it reminds me of the art in the the I hate this place book, the Kyle Starks series. Mm, it's a little less cartoony than that. It's a little less, but I think that's appropriate. Like I think it it, yeah. it you know pushes it pushes it a little bit in the the more straight and narrow in a way that an army book feels appropriate, but like still has really dynamic you know well defined figures and dynamic. Um, movement and action and um yeah just solid storytelling but you're right i'm looking through the middle part so uh, so rock and roll shows up duke and clutch at clutches maybe, maybe it's just because rock and roll looks like dante howitzer that i'm making that connection <laughs> <laughs> you know so duke and clutch are he's hiding out at clutch's garage and uh rock and roll shows up and there's just this great splash page of him firing off his m60 um and uh it's just, it's just, and with the with the boom, boom, boom in the background, the handwritten um, uh, sound effects, like it's just, it's just a wonderful looking book. And as a Joe fan, it's incredibly fun. Um, I'm curious what they're going to do overall because, like I said, these are just miniseries, both this and Cobra Commander. So, does that mean there's going to be like a series of minis telling the story, which is totally fine, or is there going to be, is there going to eventually be a GI Joe book after this is all established? I'm very curious to see how this this goes moving forward, but this seems to be quite popular. I just saw that 
Void Rivals is in its fifth printing now. So wow, I mean, incredible. These are these books seem to be hitting a bu- hitting a button in the zeitgeist, and so I would. I don't want them to expand too quickly. I don't want them to lose the um, quality that they've got going. But I would like to. It would be interesting to see how they're going to move forward with a, you know, a, a ongoing GI Joe series if that's the plan, or if it's just going to be a series of character minis, which is you know whatever. Cool. And it's all but, relatively. It's not new, new. Like I know the characters, but this does feel like a fr- breath of fresh air relative to what I, you know, what I had. Well, it's up. also, I guess, a testament to the quality. If if you're loving it too. Yeah. And someone, you're not like me and Josh who have this ingrained in you. I mean, right now, geez, we're, we're so deep in it. I've got a, I've got volume three of the classic GI Joe on my nightstand right now. I'm flying through, through the original series. Josh is doing that and watching the original cartoon. And we're reading this. I'm, I'm GI Joe up to my eyeballs right now. And, I think, but I think what this means, go ahead. No, I'm just saying if you're also enjoying it, that just means I think it's a really solid and good comic book. The, yeah. All these books are. Which I think means that when I tell you and Josh that the Power Rangers book really is pretty good, I mean, you gotta take my word. You gotta, I think you got to try it. You got to take my word for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Anything's possible, Ryan. Thank you. I'll take that. But so, did you did you read Cobra Commander? Or you just read? Duke? I have not. It's on my stack, my digital stack. But no, I, I didn't get to it yet. Curious. Is it good? It's it's hard to say because my problem with it was more about the fandom aspect than the quality of the actual work. So okay, interesting. I think you will like it because it's well made and the art's really good. But my problem with it just it just explores an area of GIG I always disliked, and so I was hoping they wouldn't make an appearance in this uh, in this world. But it did, and that's fine. They're not made for me, as much as it feels like it. I think, like I said, I think this was that was also my pick of the week. But if it was the close runner-up, if I had the pick, would have been Alan Scott, the Green Lantern number four. I think this is quietly maybe DC's best comic. It's really good. Or if not, it's certainly in the top discussion. Um, and it's a miniseries, so it's only one issue left. But you know, they put out a bunch of Justice Society minis, minis together. They did Alan Scott, they did um, Jay Garrick, and they did um, uh, what's his name. Uh, the Sandman one we love. What is his yep. name? Wesley Dodds. Wesley Dodds. Wesley Dodds is terrific. Really good. Jay Garrick, not so great. But Alan Scott has been uh, wonderfully emotional. It's written by Tim Sheridan. It's art by Kyan Tormey. And it's exploring, um, you know, a superhero deeply in the closet in the 1940s and what that means. And then the big twist has been that his new nemesis was his boyfriend. In Who was also a deep cover who wasn't Russian really spy. even his boyfriend? Well, kind of was, but he was a Russian. It was revealed this issue: Russian spy who was specifically sent to infiltrate and seduce him to get you know because he was in charge of this project to harness the red fucking flame energy or whatever. But um, it was it, this whole series has been terrific. We've talked about it every almost every issue, and one of them I think was pick of the week or should have been. I don't remember who it was. My brain is mush, but. Uh, amazing tell me what you think about it because i think this is this is a terrific comic i haven't gotten a chance to talk about it on the show yet it's um i think it's really strong i really like how it's doing a you know golden age superhero story but with a modern sensibility where you know alan scott is 
closeted, but very clearly is aware that he himself is gay and is dealing with trans people and trying to like, you know, it's a, it's written, feels authentically written as like a 1940s person struggling with the concept of pronouns, but trying to be kind about it rather than judgmental. And, you know, the, I thought issue three with the specter where the specter kind of gives him his perspective as somebody who talks directly to God of just like, yeah, I don't know why all these religious people think who you are in this way matters. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little heavy handed and I could see people pushing back against that, but I think it actually really works for when this story is set and, and who the characters are and what, what it's about. Um, and then I kind of just, I thought I wouldn't like it. I thought I would groan at the idea of like, okay, Jeff Johns created a bunch of other colored lantern cores. Yeah. 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 And now we're kind of doing that with the Alan Scott Green Lantern world. But, you know, the, they they built it up in such a way where I'm just like, yeah, this makes sense. This works. I'm in. I'm digging it. It's, it's cool. I think you're 100% right. I, when I initially saw what they were doing, I was like, oh, they're going to give him a Red Lantern? Like, that's weird. But the that's almost secondary to the emotional betrayal, right? So, like, you know, he's the Red Lantern and he's got the red flame and he's a Russian. There's a lot of on-the-nose stuff there, but... It's also this guy that Alan is deeply in love with at a time when you, he couldn't do that publicly and it was such a lifeline for him. And there's a wonderful scene here where now this is the issue where the bad guy lays out, this is what's been going on the whole time. This is who I am. This has been the plot. And it's a, you know, it's a standard comic book trope. But there's a layer of emotion to it because these guys, or at least one, at least, well, they were in love ostensibly, one of them for sure. The other one we're not sure. But then there's a, you know, he's, he's got Alan trapped in this red bubble and yeah, there's a great scene where they're, they're leaning against it. Alan's got his back to him. He's leaning against it. So the other guy turns around and leans against him and they have a wonderful sort of heart to heart. And, um, you know, you, you can see the, what, what is his name? The red lantern cracking, you know, uh, like, okay, John maybe Ladd. I, right. Maybe I was actually in love. And that then, was his deep cover name, but yeah, right. And there's a wonderful moment where Alan talks about how he bought the house that he used to go off to. And he's like, wow, you hated that house. And that's the moment where he cracked, right? Like it wasn't all deep cover. Mm-hmm. And then, but Alan uses that as a way to, you know, to break through the red bubble, bubble and, you know, attack him. It just was a really well done issue and, uh, on top of a really well done series. Like, this has been terrific. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what their plans for the Justice Society are. The main Jeff Johns book keeps getting later and later and later. But um, I would love for them to keep exploring the Justice Society. I don't know how these sell. I don't know how popular they are. But And the cliffhanger at the end of this issue is Alan uses the Red Lantern to power up his ring. So now he's got a Green Lantern ring powered up by a Red Lantern. And what does that right, mean? Right. He was out of juice. That's why he was trapped. Um, which he shouldn't have the costume anymore. But whatever. It doesn't make it. Nothing makes sense. It doesn't matter. But um, this book and Sandman, there's there's. I mean, obviously, there's something there with the Justice Society. They're terrific characters, but there's got to be a way we can get the ongoing, and I'd say ongoing Golden Age adventures of, this, of the Justice Society. Don't need to bring them forward. Just tell a story in the 40s of these guys, all young guys and and women, you know, figuring it out, becoming heroes, becoming the templates for everybody else. Like, I'd love to see a Golden Age book, you know, with with this version of alan scott and him you know becoming buddies with jay garrick and and you know bring in wesley dot like just let's just do it come on like let's get a miniseries going if it's popular let's make it an ongoing like i just think it's there's so much here how do you think you'd do in a deep cover 
situation where you had to be in a relationship with somebody? Could you could you keep your world separate or would you fall in love? Um, I mean, isn't that the classic question for every deep cover agent and every piece of fiction? Like, it's, I know, it's what, yeah, that's what I'm asking. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's very difficult. Um, but I guess it depends on what kind of a fanatic I am. So you're basically asking me if I'm a Carrie Russell or I'm a Matthew Reese from the Americans because yes. they both handle it very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ironically got married in real life. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think it's interesting because it's so difficult, right? If he just was like, you were just a, you were just a, a mission for me, then that's one thing. But adding in the wrinkle of him having those feelings, because again, he's, if he's not gay, he's at least bi in the 40s. Well, they definitely, they hinted him being gay when he's rising, rising through the ranks of the Russian army. If, if, if not gay, then, then opportunistically willing to sleep with a, a man yeah. to get ahead. Right. So they don't make it clear, but there's so lots of ways you can, you can, you can take it. And so that makes it interesting too. I just think this has been terrific. It's been out of nowhere and I'm, I'm hoping people are checking it out because it's really good. I agree. Last issues pick of the week or two weeks ago's pick of the week was Avengers Twilight book one. This is book two. It's coming out on a bi-weekly schedule. So this is going to be done pretty quick. <laughs> uh, book two, Zdarsky and Acuna. What'd you, what have you thought of this so far? I really like the first book. I've always been a fan of the sort of, I don't want to say fully nihilistic, but like the, the, the sort of future story where the heroes are maybe one generation removed from their prime and can see that their efforts didn't work out. And now what do they do? Right. Um, similar to like earth X and kingdom come. So this is sort of plugging. Yeah. So this is sort of scratching that itch. Um, I, I like Chip Zdarsky's sensibility being brought here. Because mm-hmm. he's good at the he's good at the you know the big Marvel stuff. He's good at writing the fascist regime. And then I I liked that in the middle. There's a moment where Steve Rogers gets to give the big speech, right? And and mm-hmm. the plan hasn't gone perfectly, but they've been able to break through the fascistic news controlled media. And Steve gets to talk to the people again, and he gives this rousing speech, and nothing happens because a rousing speech is not good enough to break through <laughs> how messed up the world is right now. But also it wasn't a very good rousing speech. <laughs> like, no, it I was, wasn't. I'm, and I thought that while I was reading it, I was like, this yeah. is not like, this is not like the best of I've seen of the Steve rousing speech. And then the fact that it like, it wasn't, it didn't work out. It, it you know, I was like, Oh man, yeah, I'm glad it didn't. Cause, cause as, as it was happening, I was like, this isn't going to work. Cause this is not a very good speech. And also you're, I thought they were going to show evidence. Like you're just going to say, Steve's just going to go on the airways and say, hey, your government and your media are controlling you. Come with me and break free. And I was like, that's it? That's not going to work. And it didn't. So I'm, I'm glad they didn't have it work because it wasn't enough. I, I think this is really fun. I like the first issue a hell of a lot. This issue slightly less, but still enjoyed it. This He goes to Kamala Khan and says, uh, help, <laughs> join, the, join the defenders who was, was calling themselves the underground team, Luke Cage. And she says, I got a family. I got kids. I can't be doing this. And she sh- she shuns him which is now spoiled by the next issue cover which shows yeah, the cover kind of kind of put but made it clear that that's not i like yeah. that a lot i don't know why they call hero day the day everyone died yeah i mean i'm wondering if hopefully there's some explanation as to why that is being used we learned that the bad guys the ultimate bad guys that are trying to to keep the heroes from coming back in the world and are manipulating um tony starks and janet van dyne's son are red skull and ultron Right, so we met we met um, Jarvis's son earlier, who was you know the butler of the, of uh, Tony, oh, not Tony, Tony's son, whatever his name is. But uh, turns out he's not actually um, James James Stark. He, he's not actually uh, Jarvis's son. He's actually Red Skull in disguise. His disguise, he, by the way, looks a hell of a lot like Jim Steranko. 
<laughs> yeah, um, but there, you see them in the White House basically running the country. They're telling the president what to do in terms of how to deal with Captain America. I liked the that scene. That was fun. The president's merely a figurehead for this guy, Jarvis, who's running things. And they have this figurehead sort of like almost like a um, ecstatic style Avengers team that does missions for for publicity to keep the people in line, but doesn't actually do any good in the world. And so that's what they're up against. And Steve, who has a very, very big jaw in this book, just the rousing speech doesn't work. And so he's going to have to figure out a different way to do this to save the day because it's not going to happen. But he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know that it's Red Skull. That's going to be even worse. Yeah. I feel like Steve needs, a hair, Steve needs a haircut, too. Steve looks like he needs a bath. Yep. But like <laughs> maybe not even a haircut. It just needs to be styled a little better. I know it's under a helmet sometimes, but... It's just I do I did wonder because because in the last issue they got him a new super soldier serum. They sort of concocted one and he's got it back now. And I was finding myself wondering like how how that works. Like because he's like, oh, I still got a trick knee. He's like, well, shouldn't the trick knee not be a trick knee anymore if he's got super soldier serum in him? And you know, like it's either it either works or it doesn't, right? right. Like I'm well, sure that was like I remember when they I you know, uh, I remember when they were doing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show on Disney Plus. And there was like a, a thing they mentioned about how like they fixed the super soldier serum. So now that when you take it, you're not jacked because obviously not every actor in that show could <laughs> right. end up looking like, like right. Chris Evans, Evans and uh, Sebastian yeah. Stan. And I was like, wait, how is that fixing it? Cause if I take a super soldier serum, I want to look jacked. I don't want to look, <laughs> I don't want to look like myself anymore. Right. I'd like, I'd like some abs, please. Yes. I, thank you. I just, you know, I figure young Steve had lots of physical ailments that the super soldier sort of fixed. So I feel like it should also fix his bad knee and other things. Maybe give him all of his hair back. But I mean, if if um, Dark Knight Rises taught us anything, it's that you get the right knee brace, you can kick through bricks. So God, that movie. Um, so enjoyable. Not as good as issue one, but enjoyable. And we're, you know, we're a third of the way through the story now. So that's the only problem with these short stories like short-ish stories like this right you have to really kind of fly through the plot because yeah i i feel like this type of world building that zadarsky is doing here would benefit from a longer i think like an 8 10 maybe even 12 I think 12 yeah. 12 is the right if this is a big prestige story zadarsky and dan cunha cunha hasn't done art in forever like you know do 12 and really sort of l- let's learn about this world but with six you really got to move quick and so it's a bummer, but that's fine. Uh, so there you go. Let's take a quick moment to thank everyone who supports the show. You know, we are listener supported. We are only able to do all these shows that we do. We do at least six a month uh, because of you, the listener. And we thank everyone who does that. We appreciate everyone who thinks that, hey, I'm enjoying this show enough or I enjoy all these shows enough. They make my comic book life more fun, my just my general life more fun. And I they deserve my support. We thank everyone who thinks that way, and it can be. You don't have to even do any of these things. You could just, you can just. Uh, well, we'll tell you at the end. So, Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy is a, the main way of supporting us. We got lots of great patrons. They hopefully get lots of great things out of the sh- out of being a patron. Other than just supporting the show, they get to be part of a great community on Discord and Facebook. There's the monthly patron hangout that we do, and they get all kinds of great exclusive merchandise depending on their tier of support. And we thank them very much. Ifanboy.threadless.com is our t-shirt store. You can get those d- designs and all kinds of things, not just t-shirts, but we m- mainly are on t-shirts, 13 different designs. You can find it there. Ifanboy.com slash support. 
is our PayPal tip jar, which is that's where you can go if you don't if you feel like the show is a lot of fun, you want to support it, but you don't want to be a patron, you want to buy a T-shirt. That's where you can go. You can drop in a buck or two to say thanks. We appreciate that. Fanmo.com slash Amazon is our shopping page. That's where you can find a general shopping link for Amazon. You can also find links to our Booksplode books. We get a piece of all those sales. Uh, it doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of Amazon. So we thank you very much. And bookshop.org is our partner to help support local bookstores. If you order books through Bookshop, then they will be uh, fulfilled by local bookstores, which are the lifeline and the heart of, of the country. And we thank everyone. You know, if 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 you can only support in, in one way or no way, whatever, however you do can help us, we appreciate that. Uh, we are here because of you. We thank you very much. Let's move on to another book I think is one of the best books coming out but doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah, Local Man number nine, uh, created and written by Tony Fleeks and Tim Seeley, who also trade off art duties. So Tony Fleeks does the art in the modern day and Tim Seeley does the art in uh, the 90s style, but it's actually kind of expanded to doing other kinds of comic book styles. Um, there's It's it's just been fascinating. This book, I I don't know that it's quite ready to go to the rarefied era of Astro City, but like it's building no. to that level of like, uh, its own sort of fleshed out, well thought through comic book superhero universe. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't. There's hardly any books that are in that that uh, that air, but it's it's way more interesting than the initial plot suggested it would be, which is this character from the '90s, you know, sort of extreme era of image goes back home, uh, is is a, is a washout. He's lost the ability to use his his identity, so he goes and he helps fight crime in his tiny town in a ski mask and he still has his powers. And you think that, and that was initially the sort of the pitch of this, of the book. Right. And then it sort of expanded. There's been murders. There's a conspiracy. He's under, he's, he's uncovered. The person behind it was, was shocking and surprising. And it's, it's, he, he it's, got dosed. It's kind of over by this book, but in the yeah. previous arc, he got dosed with LSD by some hippies in a commune without realizing it. And so he thought he was just, he had this like crazy vision quest where he was, I don't know. I thought it was one of the more convincing portrayals yes. of a high person in comics. And like, he's bumping into the panel boundaries and he's like seeing his own uh, thought balloons. Um, it was really, it was really well done. And then something that this book is doing, you know, he's sort of a Hawkeye, type uh but yeah. with a cap shield where he he has really good aim he never misses and so he's realizing he can use his powers in kind of interesting ways because like if he never misses then even if he doesn't know exactly where he's aiming he should still hit his target and so he's able to like find solutions to problems in interesting ways using his power like that which is interesting to watch blossom and i think is blossoming in part because he got really high uh but then yeah, the he, team that he was a part he's of he's almost okay. like uh karnak plus hawkeye right like a little he, bit yeah yeah he kind of kind of like he 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 gets arrested. He has to escape from jail. He he sort of sees how he can get the keys. Sees the flaw. Yeah, it's not exactly like that, but it's almost like he, you know, hitting his target is diff- is a wider thing than just throwing a pencil. So it was it was I thought it was interesting. It's just a lot deeper of a story than it is than a lot deeper of a story. And the and the team that he was on when he was a, a younger man before getting promoted to the big leagues, you know, they were sort of introduced as just sort of a generic '90s hardcore. Uh, a teen team and what you realize is that that each of their powers if leveraged by a greedy corporation could be profitable so like there's a person who can generate flame and they can use that for heating and cooling a person who can control water they can use that for hydroelectric dams there's a person who can just produce like slime and jelly and they're slippery and you can make petroleum products and like so realizing that the way they, they built this team out all have economic 
there's economic value in that team beyond just saving the world. I thought it was like, well, that's, that's, you know, in the words of butcher, that's diabolical. And I think one of the fun things with the book is that, as you said earlier, the flashback second part where, where um, Tim Seeley draws it, where you see the original team back in this sort of an early nineties style, but it always gives context and flavor to what's happening in the main story. I think this is a really good book. And he, very and he did much almost like Charles Byrne black hole style to start the transitions into the nineties. Yeah. It was interesting. I think it's, style. I'm always excited. I, it, I read it, I read it on a lark originally because I, I like Tim Seeley's work. Not always, but I, I always think it's interesting. And I picked it up and I thought, oh, that's pretty good. And it's gotten better with each issue. I think by now, right now at this point now, it's just created this really interesting, um, story is happening and if you were thinking about getting caught up on it i believe this issue is the last one of the arc and they're going to take a short break so now would be a good time to get caught up that's good all right so i'm really enjoying batman off world this is jason aaron's batman miniseries with doug monkey's art and you know i love batman in a i think you and i keep talking about the same books but i think you and i talked about off world but uh i love batman in a sci-fi setting having to survive you know, we talked about it. Yeah, we did talk about issue one together. Not being able to fall back on his usual tricks, uh, having a Temerian sort of uh, love interest who can't crack through that Batman shell. Um, Which I, I I couldn't help but laugh at the retcon. So it's like okay, so now it's Dick and Bruce both had little Temerian foot flings. I guess so, <laughs> but um, I, I just think it's incredibly fun. I mean, it's. The monkey is an artist I've always liked, but he really gets to go all out with all these aliens. He's, he's Batman's constantly having to fight because he at first he started off on sort of like this, you know, gladiat gladiatorial planet, and but now he's on the run from all these crazy looking aliens, and it's just been really fun. He had to craft himself a new costume because his old one got destroyed, and he's got this badass Tamarian sidekick who is helping him. But and just, now he's got a badass space wolf sidekick. Yeah, he, t- he tamed a space wolf. It's just, I think this is great. I mean, we talked about, I talked about this in Action Comics before, how, you know, Jason Aaron's doing a lot of fun things right now. He feels like it's in, he's in his fuck it, you know, period. He, they announced he was doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've heard there's another book that they, that's also in that vein that they haven't announced, announced yet. And he just seems to be doing what he wants to do and having fun doing it. And this is, this is a really great, fun little mini series. It's sort of out of continuity. You don't have to worry about it. And uh, I like it quite a bit. Me too. So the next book we're going to talk about is sort of a uh, a bonus patron pick. So this wasn't the patron pick, but many of the patrons in the Discord, a couple of them actually, but one one in particular, uh, really was curious about this book and didn't know, because it's a a $7, like 60-page book. I didn't know if they wanted to drop $7 on a a book. So he he was hoping we would talk about it. And so I read it and... uh, I'll let you know. This is some Oni Press called Jill and the Killers, number one. It's a crime book. It's about a bunch of high school girls solving a murder. And uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So that's your that's your warning for, for this $7 book. Um, the art's okay. The overall story's okay. There's some There are some clever and fun bits they do here. But for the most part, the main character is annoying. One of the other girls speaks like a medieval knight for some reason all the time that's really annoying things seem to happen for with no connective tissue just it's it's almost like there's a bunch of story beats they just wrote them out without thinking about how the the beats should work together this is not a 
a problem that is uh, just this book. I see this a lot of, in a lot of new TV shows where they just sort of things happen very quickly. I don't know if they worry about everybody's attention span or what, but it's there seems to be no connective tissue anymore to a lot of stories I'm seeing. But it just was kind of a bummer because the, the main character who we spend all of our time with is so just mind-numbingly awful and annoying. And then her friend who also speaks like a knight is annoying. And then the other things, the things just sort of happen. Also, for some, it was really distracting. The coloring by Warnia K. Sawado, uh, Sahawadi. That's not right. Sahadui and Rebecca Nalti is distracting because for some reason they color the main character as if she's a Tamarian. She's got <laughs> gold skin and almost red hair, which does not match her father at all. And I don't know why they gave her that color scheme, but it was very, very distracting. And uh, I don't know. I was just, I was, I was, I was looking forward to it because it was a crime book. But man, this just may not be for me, which is fine. But it just wasn't. I just think not a lot of fun. That's too bad. Yeah, it's a bummer. So there you have it. Those are the comics we're going to talk about in a very light week. But as always, we have the patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every patron gets a vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the winner was Moon Man, number one, from Image Comics. Written by Scott Kid Cootie Muscuti and Kyle Higgins. Art by Marco Lacati. Colors by Igor Monti. And letters by Hassan Otsmane Alahu. And uh, again, Ryan, last time we talked... Uh, we had the Holy Roller, which was very much a pitch book for um, Andy Samberg. And this appears to be a pitch book for Kid Cootie, as he is the main character in the book. Just Do like, you like and, Kid Cootie? Like, I know nothing about him other than he was in the uh, Bill and Ted movie over the over the. I know he's a rapper. I don't know anything about him. But the main he character, was in, um, he was in, he was in X that, um, a, I think it's a 24 sort of slasher porno yeah. horror movie set in the seventies of Texas. He's an actor. He's an actor, musician. He, but he looks exactly like the main character and the main character has his middle name as a name. So it's clearly, uh, him. And I don't have a problem with that. Like that's just, I'm just pointing it out that the last time you and I talked, we talked, we had a very similar book in the Holy Roller. Yeah. Um, so the only thing that matters is whether or not the comic's good at the end of the day. Um, and Kid Cudi from the little thing in the back said he's a longtime comic fan, so that's also you know makes sense. But he seems like a cool yeah. guy. Like I, I the, I've seen him a lot of stuff. He did a, a guest spot on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He was on Comedy Bang Bang for a while. Like I, you know, I've seen him in various capacities, and I actually gen- generally enjoy what he's doing. Um, I will admit before we start discussing this that I have. One of like, I don't know if you have this kind of where there are like hyper specific mm. subgenres that you always are drawn to. Okay. One of my hyper specific subgenres is a lonely astronaut story. <laughs> I, love, I love it when lo- astronauts are lonely. Um, right. Don't know why, but uh, that's kind of what I went. I went into this sort of hoping we were getting a Kid Cudi inspired lonely astronaut story. And this wasn't quite what that was. No, it's almost more of a Fantastic Four riff where. Yes. There is a mission to the moon. It seems like it's an Elon Musk kind of situation. Or Jeff Bezos. What of your billionaire astronaut rocket ship companies? And something happened. This is after the mission. Something happened on the mission. They were missing for seven minutes. And they came back and it was a big, you know, story, controversy, scandal situation. And they've been, the astronauts have been in uh, quarantine. I've been, they've been testing them for however long it's been since the mission to find out you know, what happened to them while they were up there. And 
of course, uh, this the main guy Ramon, who is sort of the main leader of the astronauts. He he has now superpowers from the whatever happened to them up there. And it's like okay, it's a it's a riff on Fantastic Four. That's fine. Like there, a lot of things are riffs on other things, but I thought this was this was solid. I didn't love it. I didn't, but I thought it was. I enjoyed it. I I, I had fun reading it. I thought the art from Marco Lacati was really interesting and atmospheric. There was a couple of times where I tripped up on the storytelling. Yeah, I was going to comment about that as well. And the yeah. use of the powers was a little confusing as to what actually was happening, but. Uh, I thought the character work was good. It's a very sort of, uh, it's not realistic style, but it is kind of still realistic in a very sort of impressionistic way. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I didn't love it, but I thought it was good. I, I, I don't know that I liked this as much as I wanted to going in. And I had mm-hmm. some of the same issues with the the pacing and the storytelling that you did. I felt like, you know, the characterization these are the main character to, to talk like the youth. It was just, it felt like it was more vibes than learning about the actual character. Like he was just kind right. of giving you an attitude rather than like an actual feeling. <clears throat> I think there was one instance where I feel like the art broke the 180 rule, um, which is, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have your background in, in cinema and filmmaking, <laughs> but um, it, it, it just felt like the, it's like, wait, did the character just switch places? Um, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the story, the, the main character was interesting. I thought he was, he was, you know, a, a fun new character. His brother, he, it's just him and his younger brother. They live in Cleveland. Um, there was, you know. I, be, I believe if I'm, Ohio has produced more astronauts in any other state. Interesting. Because, and the joke, as a person who used to live in Ohio, I can make this joke. Because sometimes the fastest way to get out of Ohio is to go straight up until you just <laughs> so, leave Earth entirely. <laughs> So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a protest outside the company that runs, that ran the mission. Cause they're also like that, the, the biggest employer in the state, they sort of run the state and the, you know, the, the cops show up to put it down. But so this guy shows up and that's when his powers manifest and he is able to save his brother who's in the middle of the protest. It's all very familiar, but I think the strength of the main character and the art, even if there were problems with it really kept me interested in what was happening it's in, i'm interested enough to check out this the second issue i don't know you know we'll see we'll see how it goes but i thought it was i thought it was solid i didn't think it was great but i thought it was solid i don't i truly don't know if i'm interested enough to pick it up pick up the second issue i think it might just depend if it's another light week mm-hmm. or not this is also i i you know we talked about this in the um Justice League Christ on Infinite Earth animated brain trust show. This was also one that I was like trying to read on my iPad and Cal was very interested in like trying to, you know, put like he likes if I'm like lying on the couch trying to read a book, he likes to like put his head on my chest directly blocking my view of the iPad and then be like, what's going on? What are they going to do? And I'm just like, I can't, mm-hmm. I really can't tell you because you're blocking my view. Um, right. But he, he was very interested in trying to read this one with me. And sometimes if it's like a fun, light superhero book, I'll try to like read him some of the dialogue. But like in the scene where it's him and his brother, you know, debating the corporate strategy of protesting versus working for the man. I was just like, I don't think you're going to be engaged by this, bud. Yeah. So a little over your head at the moment. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I think this is going to live or die with me with the second issue. So I'll, I'll check it out. So that's your that's your answer to your question of whether or not we're sticking with it. I am a yes and you are a maybe. Yeah. And let's so let's do ratings on it. Ratings is out of five. I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a solid three. 
Yeah, three. Three sounds right. Well, there you go. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give uh, at a $5 or higher level, you get a patron power live in the show, and Ryan's going to hand one out today. And this week's patron power goes to uh, someone that I've known for years and very excited to, to be the one that the power is funneled through. And that is Dana Daskasil. Dana has, um, Dana and I have corresponded uh, several times over the years. And I actually spoke to her science class. I did like a Skype a scientist with her, her students uh, a while back. And I, I always love doing those things. It's super fun to get to engage with students. This was a pre COVID Skype a scientist. We, we did it just because of the, the logistical convenience, not because of the world being shut down. Um, so in that vein, Dana has the amazing, awesome ability to blind people with science. Ooh, blind them with science. How yes. does that manifest? Uh, I think if, you know, if, if she needs to take away someone's sight, if she, and this is like an active power, this is not something that passively happens anytime she sciences at a person, but if she, if she willfully like puts, puts science in front of them, <laughs> she can use it to blind them. <laughs> they, they just go blind. Yeah, like if if you know it's if if they're if like someone's being annoying and she like quickly scratches out the Krebs cycle on a sheet of paper and goes ha Krebs cycle they're like ah I can't see wow um, yeah what happens so so it's is it it's a it's a power she has to activate so she just so it's not like she can't teach science anymore because she blind all of her students right exactly it's not like an area of effect power it's like she has to actually activate it yeah yeah, yeah. she has to use it as a weapon okay that's at least that's good for her job. You didn't just yeah. <laughs> you didn't just make her unemployed. Yeah, no, that no, was not my intention. But I just felt like the the her ability to to funnel science into the ocular nerves of people is so powerful she can temporarily disable them, and it's a temporary blindness. They the sight the sight will come back. I just want you to know, Dana. I was looking out for you as when Ryan was trying to take you take away your income. I don't think she would agree with that characterization. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks for being a patron, Dana. Anyone who gives the five dollar higher level gets a superpower live in the show. And hey, look, it's it's early. It's early in the show, so we got to do at least one email. Let's see. Justin L. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania writes, says, Marvel and DC and their readers have been stubborn in that characters don't seem to age or progress through their major life milestones. I would submit that in order to generate new stories, retcons are a necessary evil. There seem to be only a finite number of stories that are being told. A simple counter argument is that writers could simply write new stories. But it seems their new stories are either not possible, not happening, or not popular. The publishing directive seems to aim to bleed dry all nostalgia and willpower from its aging, dedicated readers to cycle back to the stories they remember, but maybe with a new retcon twist. Agree or disagree? Bonus question for which retcons you felt were necessary. I've been thinking about this question since the heated discussion about retcons. I don't remember having a heated discussion about retcons. I think all our discussions are, are fire. I'm not saying we didn't. I just don't remember having one. Uh... I assume it's because Josh is constantly confusing retcons and reboots. That's probably why I got heated. That's probably that's my guess because he constantly calls retcons when he means reboots. And I mean, this question almost you could reframe it as a reboot versus retcon question as Jeez, well. Jeez, Justin, Justin feels very down on everything. Um, do we agree or disagree that retcons are necessary because new stories can't be told? I mean, no. we were just talking about Local Man, Astro City, the Invincible Universe. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, well, you have to create... Well, that's outside of Marvel and DC. He's talking specifically about that. Yeah. I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think it's impossible to tell new stories. I just think they've been telling a lot of them, so it's really difficult. 
you know, they've been doing these you know, they've been Batman stories since 1939, and so it's difficult to find a new twist on Batman. It's all it's all in some way an echo of what's come before. That's kind of the that's kind of what happens in serialized storytelling. It's not like soap operas are breaking new ground every week with new stories. It's basically riffs on what's already happened because it's hard to tell an ongoing story of a character who's been around for 80 years without, you know, going back to what's happened before or telling a, a, a variation on it. So in that sense, I, I agree with Justin that retcons can be necessary to, well, I don't think that, I don't think retcons are necessary to tell new stories. I think retcons can cause new stories, which is why they, I think writers probably like them. But I, don't I think, think it's necessary. sort of like, you know about those, there's those jellyfish that are, are functionally immortal because they can return to a, like a, they can return to their adolescent stage and like grow through adulthood again. I didn't know about them, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So like, it's this type of jellyfish that's able to like, yeah, basically go back to being like a teenage jellyfish and then go through its sexual like maturation over and over again. Uh, As far as we know, like it can do this, you know, for, for forever. Mm -hmm. And that's almost what we're talking about here. Like every once in a while, you know, you need to take, mid to late thirties married with kids, Peter Parker, and you need to like morph him back into a teenager somehow and start telling stories of a younger person and their struggles. And, and I think one of the things that um, I find that you, you and Josh being uh, old men comment on a lot is that like the, the writers almost seem to dictate some of that because as, as a cohort of writers sort of ages into middle age, I think we see some themes of, of, of their lives uh, entering the the characters that, on some level, one hundred percent happens. That's and they've said it. That's they've they've at least admitted it back in the nineties. That's why originally Peter Parker got married in the first place was because the writers were no longer in their twenties and they wanted to tell stories relevant to their own lives. And they did that. And they did that. And they they chucked how comics work out the window and made a big mess of things. This is why we're in a mess now. And you know, I love everybody making comics. I love. And I'm a big fan of most of the people who are still writing, but they're the same people who have been writing for 20 years and they're 20 years older. You know, they're not kids. You know, comics used to be a place where people in their 20s went and told crazy stories and, you know, showed the world what was possible in the medium. And where Grant Morrison and Garth Ennis and Neil Gaiman came in in their 20s and Garth Ennis was writing Hellblazer when he was 23. You know, like that used to be the thing. And now they're, you know, now it's a lot of guys in their 40s and 50s write these characters still and so it's hard to be in touch with the fire of a of youth when you're that age and you end up sort of gravitating towards stories that make sense to you which means making the character seem older and um you well, know so you like so that. you end up with a, a local man a middle-aged superhero comes back to his hometown you end up with a avengers twilight where it's all the characters are dealing with <laughs> no longer being relevant you know <laughs> like right so and so again i just i think the th- what Jace Justin is saying is true that it's hard to tell those stories, but ret- retcons aren't always the way that I mean, retcons are not always happening. They're they're relatively rare uh, in the grand scheme of things. And the amount of comics that are coming out, the amount of stories being told, retcons are not always happening, but they can be very helpful. I mean, if he, if he wants uh, his bonus question for retcons were necessary, I don't know, I don't know that any are necessary, but what would have been good, you know, the the Bucky Winter Soldier retcon opened up a whole new vein of really awesome stories, which when they first announced it, I was not, I'm not in favor of bringing Bucky back, but they brought, they retconned to say that he didn't actually die on the, on the plane. He was 
he survived the explosion and was captured by the Soviets and became an assassin. And that opened up all of the Winter Soldier stuff that's happened since then. That was a really good retcon. Hal Jordan, he wasn't really evil. He was possessed by Parallax. It was a great retcon. It, it, it saved the character. But didn't. De- but at the same time, it didn't devalue what had come before. It's a, it's a hard to thread the needle with a good retcon. But those are two off the top of my head that really worked and opened up a whole new area of storytelling. It's all just storytelling these guys comics never stop they're like the mail you know they don't they don't go on hiatus they got to have a batman story every month no matter what and it's hard it's hard when there's there's been 80 years of them through uh, you know hundreds of titles and so how do you feel about the um how do you feel i think another one of the more famous retcons is uh magneto being scarlet which yeah. is silver's father because that's been retconned and then de-retconned and then re-retconned right so making him the father was a retcon and then making him not the father was a retcon of the retcon. I prefer him as their father, as their father, but it was you know taken away because of the whole fucking Fox, you know, I could pull Perlmutter hating Fox with the buckle. So I'd love that to be fixed again. Cause I think they're more interesting characters with him as their dad. I think he's more interesting having these characters as his kids, but that's, a, I mean, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's would a you call, thing. I'm, I pulled up a couple of lists of like famous retcons and they're claiming that like the return of Captain America to join the Avengers is a, is a retcon. Cause they're saying that cap died at the I end guess. of world war II. I mean, if, did, did, did the comics say he died? I guess if they did, then it's a retcon. Yeah. Him, him, him being back. Like anytime a character comes back to life. Well, not anytime. That's not true. Not every time. It's not always a retcon. retcon would you call is- the, Hold up, by the way, we never never said what retcon was in case there's listeners who don't know. Retroactive continuity. Right. Right, So the thing, it's it's basically summed up as the thing you thought you knew was true was not. The thing you thought was new was true was false. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great storytelling tool when done correctly. Would you agree that the creation of DC's multiverse with the Flash of Two Worlds was a retcon? Where previously... Jay Garrick was a comic book character that Barry Allen read. And then I guess the retcon there is that like the comic books written on Barry Allen's world were being channeled psychically of the yeah. artists and creators. I mean, technically, I guess. Yeah, that's a retcon. Yeah. When I think we, I mean, yeah, I think we all know that Carmine Infantino just drew a funny cover and then they had <laughs> like a cover of the issue. I mean, I think that's real, right? He just drew a cover of the issue and said, deal with that writer, <laughs> make that story make sense. And the multiverse was born. Um, yeah, it's Alan tough. Moore, I mean, I, uh, retconning Swamp Thing into like a, a forest or the spirit of the green. Yeah, it, some. I mean, sometimes the difference between a retcon and just a character development. True, it's a good. A, a retcon is 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 this thing has always been that way. You just didn't realize it. Not the character has changed, and I don't know enough about that one to know if that's a retcon or not. But um, well, I mean, I think the thing Alan Moore did was. I, I, I think Alan Moore, I mean, it's almost, it's, it's a retcon very like straightforwardly in terms of we all thought we, all of us paying attention to Swamp Thing in the uh, late seventies and eighties, we all thought that Swamp Thing was Alec Holland getting caught in like a chemical explosion in a swamp. Whereas right. really the, the Swamp Thing is like this primordial force. Yeah. That I guess always existed. That's a, that's a retcon. Yeah. God, I haven't read those yeah. books in forever. It's been like 15 years since I read the Swamp Thing books. Anyway, I, I, I love a good retcon when done well, but. It, they're not necessary. They just are a, a good tool in the toolbox. And I think we can all agree that our favorite retcon 
to ever be introduced into comics and one that we're all glad has persisted into this day and is now returned as a new series, The Century. God. So not a, that's a, that was a cynical marketing ploy, not a retcon in my book. Let's do Ken J from the Great White North. As seen in Batman 140, there's a plethora of Elseworld Batmans, Bat, Batmans, Batman, Batme out there. What are your favorite ones? I wanted to ask you because I feel like you read more Elseworlds than Josh has. I did read a lot. I really liked Elseworlds growing up. Um, I think the one my head goes to immediately is Russian Batman from Superman Red Sun. If only sure, because yeah. he's got the fuzzy hat. And I just love that fuzzy hat with a little batter set <laughs> onto it. I think it's the greatest thing. <laughs> but, you know, we recently did the animated version of Gotham by Gaslight. And yep. um, what was the other one we did that was the... Uh, that was set in well, the twenties. Uh, set in the set in the twenties. Well, I don't know anymore. Gotham by Gaslight is the Jack the Ripper one, and then yeah. there was the one we we did that was like more steampunky. That I can't remember. Well, Hang that's on. the thing that I'll, happened. I'll remember. I'm a big fan of um, Holy Terror, which was Batman. If the U.S. had lost the Revolutionary War and and the U.S. remained a colony of England. That was a really good one. Norm, that was an Alan Grant, Norm Brayfogle. It was definitely Norm Brayfogle. I think it's Alan Grant. Um, they did one where Bruce Wayne got the ring from Abin Sir, not Hal Jordan. I thought that was a really fun one. Yep. As you said, the uh, the Red Sun Batman's terrific. I mean, I, I love Elseworlds. I love I love variations on. It was Batman: on, The Doom that came to Gotham was the one. That, that's that's technical. Uh, well, that wasn't that was an original story, wasn't it? Oh no, it wasn't. That was based on a, a Mike Mignola story. Oh yeah, I didn't see it. That's why. Anyway, Batman's terrific, and those are uh, those are my favorites. I think I think Holy Terror is my favorite one because it's it's you know I like an Elseworlds where it's all about the little change and it makes a really interesting tale. But at the end of the day, they're still the same person. They're still deep down that same character. That's sort of the the Elseworlds is the best for me. So. I think my my yeah my favorite's the Russian one, then followed probably by Gotham by Gaslight, and then Bruce Wayne is Green Lantern. That's a good one. Yeah. Isn't that um, who did the Green Lantern one? Was that uh, Mike Barr? Mike Barr, With Jerry Bingham. That's right. Jerry Bingham and Mike Barr also did uh, Batman: uh, Son of the Demon, which introduced the concept of Damien, which is what Garrett Morrison mined for Damien. Was where Talia and Bruce have a baby, but she puts that for adoption. And also, this is not like this is a pretty straightforward down the line. Elseworlds Batman, but I still think the JLA The Nail is one of the best oh, yeah. Elseworlds. Yeah, More of a Superman sure. book, but Batman's in it. Oh, terrific. Alan Grant, uh, Alan Grant, um, Alan Davis doing what if what if uh, Pa Kent got a flat tire and never yep. never found uh, Cal. It was that's the best kind of story. So it's just a little tiny thing that changes mm-hmm. everything. That's really good. So thanks, Ken, for writing in. Thanks, Justin, for writing. Contact at ifanboy.com is how they wrote in. You can do so too. We've been getting some great emails. Keep them coming. We're making a concerted effort to not skip them, even if we're running long. We thank you for writing. You can also write in for our media Blood show. Put media Blood in, in the subject. And if you're writing within the next week, we're recording media Blood, I think, in uh, in a week's time. And I, I think this, I think we might need some emails for that one because uh, the subject is probably not long enough for an entire episode. But we'll we'll see. But if you have media Blood episodes, we're right in media Blood emails. Write them in for contact at ifanboy.com. Out now, as Ryan just mentioned, our Crisis on Infinite Earths show, Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1, 
The Animation Brain Trust reviewed that, and that's right behind the show in the feed. You can check that out. It's one of part one of three. So I'll be talking about Crisis in Earth this entire year. And then right behind that show on the special edition feed, you'd find our book explode review of classic G.I. Joe Real American Hero Volume 1, which Josh and I took a look at the first 10 issues of G.I. Joe. Super fun, super G.I. Joey. And as I said before, you know, we're deep in we're deep in it right now. We're deep in it. Eventually we'll come out of it, but we're deep in it at the moment. And then later this month, as I mentioned, we'll have our Media Splode show. That's going to come out, I think, in two weeks. And then at the end of the month, you'll have Josh's Talk Splode show. And we'll let you know when we know more about that one as it, as it happens. How's science sort of going, uh, Ryan? I've, I've actually been in, in discussion with folks of how we're going to resurrect it here in the new year. So we've got some episodes ready and we're getting ready to record some more. So um, nothing firm yet, but you can expect more science sort of in 2024. So it's coming back from the dead, from the science dead. I wouldn't call it dead. It was uh, it was in stasis. It was in cryosleep, in hibernation, a, a vegetative state. But we're it gonna, was on yeah. hiatus. Yeah, it's uh, not officially, unfortunately. I mean, you know, it's that I always intend to work on it, and then just work and life and all that stuff gets away from me. But I'm not trying to make any excuses. I'm just trying to get some content out there. So um, I actually wanted to plug another show <laughs> if I could. Not mm-hmm. even one that I'm on. Sure just because Connor, I think you might enjoy it. There's this podcast called newcomers with Nicole Byers and Lauren Lapkus. Mm-hmm. And they pick each season. They pick like a series of movies that they've, that neither of them have never seen. Cause they're not like super geeks about anything really pop culture related. So they did an entire season on the MCU movies. They did an entire Lord of the Rings season. They did an entire fast and the furious season. And this current season that I think they're about a third, maybe halfway through is they're doing all the Batman movies in order, starting with 1966 and working oh, cool. their way up through the Matt Reeves. So they're Robert not Pattinson. doing the, the films from the 1940s then. No, no, but they do do mask of the phantasm and they have a different guest on each week to talk through the movie with them. And it's, it's quite enjoyable. All right. Well, maybe, maybe the next time they'll be more comprehensive. <laughs> try not to, yeah. Try not to mask your, try to mask your disappointment. <laughs> you can find our library of shows. We've got over 1300 of them and counting over at ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows there, either on the website or on our podcast feed. It's all there. It's a lot of shows. If you need something to listen to, you got 1300 of them. It's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. You can also follow us at ifanboy comics on Instagram. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out, and also sometimes for the best of the week in panels. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram, Ryan Haupt on Instagram. Are you still Haupt on X? I mean, I haven't deleted it, but I'm not going to do anything with it. I, do, I think literally what I need to do at this point is go post one of those I'm no longer on this platform tweets and then just leave it from there. So, I think they're called Yes, X's I still now. call them tweets. I think they're called X's no, now. they're not. I'm pretty sure they're called X's now. Don't start, to me. Don't start with me. One thing that uh, folks can do is subscribe yeah. on the YouTubes at youtube.com slash fanboy. We will find all our old video shows and we post this show there every week. If that's your preferred format for getting your podcast, please consider writing us a review or leaving us a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Ryan, for stepping in when Josh had an unexpected work trip. For sure. And always enjoy having you on the show. And thank you out there for listening. Everyone who listened this week. And until next week, I am Connor. And I am Ryan. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. And if I catch it coming back.